0: Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is the keyboard player and backing vocalist for Aerosmith, and is also a solo artist. Last year he put out a 12-song album entitled Enjoying the Ride. He has also toured and recorded with such notable artists as the Doobie Brothers, Tal Bachman, John Waite, and Sean Mullins, among others. As a songwriter, he co-wrote the international hit single for Carlos Santana, Just Feel Better, and has had numerous songs in TV shows and in major film releases. You've been hearing a song of his called Enjoying the Ride. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Buck Johnson.
1: Hey, everybody. Hey, Buck. How's it going? Hey, man.
0: Really glad we could do this. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet. I was busy talking over it, so tell the listeners first, please, if you would, about the song Enjoying the Ride, which we are just playing. I really like that song a lot.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. Um, It's a song I co-wrote with my uh, longtime writing partner, Charlie Midnight, and James Dean Hicks, a hit songwriter here in Nashville. And it's more of a, you know, it's the title track of the album. It's a a philosophy I tried to... uh, live by every day, uh, to enjoy the ride. You know, it's, uh, it's the journey, not the destination.
0: So that sounds to me like something that, and, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way. It, it almost sounds like a no brainer, like, because you try to live that way every day, that this would be mm-hmm. a very logical song for you to write. Is that the case? Or was it no, Bruce, I remember the day we wrote that and, you know, it, it took hours for the idea to come to fruition or just, just walk, walk, walk us through that process.
1: Well, you know the process is always different, um, but you know in this case the song uh, I had the idea and it's a philosophy I, you know, it's not every day I can adhere to, you know, so <laughs> it's uh, it's more of a, you know, it's a motto that uh, I try to adhere to. But um, I uh, the song idea, like a lot of the good ones, came pretty quick, but then it's the rewrite, you know, that's where the work comes in mm. and. Um, you know that. Uh, just want to make sure every word fits. You know, and, and um, uh, musically arrangement. There's a few things that we tried, and uh, so you know, we uh, pretty much finished it in an afternoon. I would say.
0: Now, because there were three of you that you mentioned on that on that song, mm-hmm. is are, are all three participants doing the lyrics? Are all three participants doing the melody? Is it well, two of us do this and one does that, or, or what's the combination there? What's the formula?
1: Well, I think in any collaboration, everybody brings their strengths. Um, I'm more of a melody guy, but I do write lyrics, and 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 I'm particular, especially when it's my own solo thing um, that I'm writing the song for. Uh, Charlie Midnight's more of a lyricist, but he has great melody ideas, and um, James Dean Hicks is uh, he's both melody and lyrics. So I think it was uh, uh, you know kind of an even you know, round in that case with a song. I think we all interjected ideas. And honestly, when it's going fast and it's going well, you just don't keep up and try to remember and account for who did what. You know, you just let it flow and let it, be what it wants to be, you know, get yeah. out of the way and let the song write itself, you know?
0: Okay. That being said though, because you've been at this long enough, have you ever been in a co-write where somebody is really angling, like, I want to make sure I'm going to get credit on this. I know I didn't contribute that much. Or, or is it kind of just an unwritten thing that look, if you're in the room and you contributed something, you're all getting equal credit, don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. I kind of let it be known up front, you know? Um, that if we're in the room we're writing together we're collaborating and sometimes if someone they just that one phrase they may say it may be just the thing that the song you know needs that makes all the difference in the world so um if i write uh 90 of the melody but uh, uh whoever's collaborating we say if you want to break it down wrote 10 percent i don't even know where to how to how to characterize that you know maybe (laughs) they maybe they just came up with the title but that's everything you know you have no song without that. So. Yeah, you're,
0: n- you're not going to print your name in all capital letters on the credits, and theirs in lowercase. No, because
1: <laughs> no. no I, I think most of the people that I've been, cl- I've been fortunate to write with uh, amazing writers who I've learned from, and, and and guys like Charlie Midnight, who is a tremendous mentor for me. And uh, you know, none of those guys work. You know, where they're thinking about who did what they just if it works it works and and you know if you write some good songs then you keep doing it again you know i i don't think maybe when i was first starting off when i was you know back in Alabama, writing with songs, maybe we worried about those things, but I got Mm. over that pretty quick.
0: (laughs) Nice. Well, uh, hats off to the three of you because, because you did a great job. As I said, I I really liked that song when you sent it to me and, and, and I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but I'm just being honest. You (laughs) know, if, if I, if I hear a song, if if someone sends me a song and I like it, I speak up. If, if I don't have anything to say, then I'm, I'm just not going to say anything about it. But in this case, I, I really liked it. So, um, listeners, I'm going to give you some some uh, plugs, as I usually do as we go along, um, so that you can go and buy Buck's music. Um, and I know that I was talking over a lot of that song that we were playing, so um, that'll be your incentive to to go and, and purchase that. Uh, but in the meantime, Buck, thanks again for, for making the time to do this. You are actually about to start rehearsals and then head out on the road with Aerosmith going to Europe, and wow, what a schedule that is. I looked at it this morning and, and counted at least a dozen countries where y'all will be playing as part of the Aerov- Aeroviderci baby European tour.
1: Right, right. Um, man, it's uh, it's it's a dream come true to get to play with those guys, and yeah, we'll we'll be rehearsing uh, for about a week, and then we'll start uh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, I've never been to Israel before, so I'm really looking forward to that. And um, you know, it's uh, it you know what can I say? It's uh, it's everything you you'd hoped it could be, and you know, live that fantasy for a few months, uh, playing with those guys and playing with my heroes and, uh, you know, and then I'll come back home and I'll be back uh, mowing the front lawn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And see, there's going to be people listening to this that are going to say, oh, he's, he's just joking because if you're on tour with Aerosmith, you must be making a fortune. So you're paying someone to do the lawn and, you know, and I, and I think you're being serious. I think you're saying like, no, I really will come back and cut my own grass.
1: Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, obviously when I'm, I'm away, I have someone cutting it. Sure, but, sure. Uh, uh, but when I'm home, you know, um, it kind of keeps me grounded. You know, I like to get my hands dirty and, you know, work in the yard. And uh, maybe that's just the way I was brought up. So, um, uh, you know, you got to have balance in your life, you know. Um, and, you know, being on the road, uh, playing with uh, arguably the greatest American rock band, um, all original members, coming up to 50 years in a couple of mm. years, that's, uh, it's kind of a feat. It's unbelievable. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I come home and it's, uh, it's back to the salt mines. I have a studio and, uh, so I work every day at that and, uh, you know, try to work outside what I can.
0: Well, you know, one word that I said in there, that I I want to go back to. I I said that uh, you're about to start rehearsals. And just before we started recording here today at the studio, um, Dominic Pages is here. And uh, listeners, hopefully you've heard him. I've done two interviews with him kind of about the studio life and and as well as he does have a band also. Uh, Those were episodes 8 and 56 of this show. If you didn't want to hear, you want to go back and listen to him. But, you know, we were talking about the concept of rehearsals. And so it's interesting, Buck, you know, that here you are about to start rehearsals with a band like Aerosmith? Because I think the thinking is that, as you just said, they've been at this for so long. What do they have to rehearse for? And here you are doing this interview and saying, this is when I can do it, Bruce, because in a couple of days, it's it's all in for rehearsals with Aerosmith.
1: Well, I think any band, you know, for longevity, you, you can get rusty, so you got to keep it sharp and um you know those guys there's such a massive catalog of great songs to pull from and uh, so they may be a song or two and they will be on this tour that they haven't played in a few years and so we got to brush those off and uh, make sure they're you know ready and to give the you know the great show that they always give um you know they're very in performance very much in the moment and it's rock and roll it's it's feels like sometimes it's going to come off the rails but it never does (laughs) it's because they're prepared you know and very detailed oriented Um, but when you play, you just play, you know, you don't worry about those details. You, you go over them enough to where you don't have to think about them.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, when you said they're prepared by prepared, you mean they are rehearsed. So this thing is ready Mm -hmm. by that first show in Tel Aviv. It looks like they've already been doing this tour for, you know, two dozen shows prior and no, this is our first one, but we've been rehearsing to get ready for this.
1: Sure. And, And like I said, even the songs that, you've been playing every show, Um, you know, you can get rusty and it's just good to go through them and make sure that, uh, you know, that's uh, everybody's on the same page.
0: Yeah. I think the, the, the thinking nowadays is for the up and comers, and And I am speaking to those of you up and comers who are listening. but but, Buck, I'm also saying this to you. I think the thinking is for up and comers is they're so focused on when is my next gig? They're just trying to book as much work as they can to stay busy and and make a paycheck that mm-hmm. rehearsals is kind of the last thing on their mind. and and I think that, you know gets forgotten about almost
1: well, I, I guess, you know, I for my own band, when I just did a tour, um, you know, we spent, um, and it was a band that I put together, uh, you know, guy from, uh, I brought a, a friend of mine, Judd Fuller on bass from Nashville. And I had, uh, a friend of mine I played years with and from Los Angeles, Jeff Perlman, uh, on guitar. And, you know, we had to spend a good three days just, uh, locked out in the studio just to make sure we had the, the songs down and ready to go. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, that's just part of it, man. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, a- athletes, they have to stay in shape. You know, you got to do the fundamentals, you know, to uh, be on, be sharp, you know.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's a nice analogy. I, I admire your, your professionalism. Uh, listeners, go back and check out episode 150 when I interviewed Mike Del Judas who plays guitar and does backing vocals on Billy Joel's tour. There are some similar episodes of this show. Episode 122, when my guest was Joe Vitale, the drummer for Joe Walsh. Uh, Episode 24, with Johnny Garcia, the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks. Buck, as I mentioned in the intro... You wrote Carlos Santana's Just Feel Better. That song featured Steven Tyler. Is that what laid the groundwork for you to now be playing keyboards and doing backing vocals with Aerosmith? T- tell us that story of how you got this opportunity that you're in now.
1: Actually, it had nothing to do with wow. it. And I, wow. I didn't I didn't even mention it to Steven that I wrote that song for the, wow. about the first month I was out on tour. I just... Uh, you know I I was literally in Alabama visiting my mom for Mother's Day and she still plays at a church and she's <laughs> you know she's phenomenal and uh, uh, so we're getting ready for church and I get a call from Stephen from Istanbul and the next day I'm gonna play in Istanbul but the connection there that got me the gig with those guys was a, a mutual friend a guy who um, a guy named Marty Frederickson who had worked with them uh, co-wrote jaded with Stephen and pro- was a co-producer on, on some of the records the later records records and um so you know marty was uh, was very fortunate i've known him for for several years and, and like with anything it's you know relationships you know people you've uh, you've networked with over the years and, and and marty and i have never actually worked together before and um until recently but before then we were just friends and he knew what i did and and obviously knowing those guys as well as he does he knew they needed somebody and uh i came in at the last minute but uh i didn't want to come across to steven like i was uh you know saying hey man i did this for you you know you know i wrote this song you sang on and uh So, you know, eventually word got around camp somehow and uh, he found out and uh, it was pretty cool when he asked me to sing it in the dressing room and I grabbed the acoustic (laughs) and we sang it together. So that was that was awesome. But um, the song was uh, came out in 2006 and, um, you know, it was an international single hit for uh, many countries like Australia. And, um, you know, it was just Clive Davis made that call to get Steven Tyler on board to sing the song. I was very fortunate.
0: Mm. Well, so getting back to this friend of yours getting you the gig with with Aerosmith, do you ever follow up and say, hey man, you know, what was the conversation? What was the process? How did that go? You know, do they <clears throat> do they play any of your stuff for, for the guys in Aerosmith first? Is it just take my word on it, this guy's good? I mean, do, do you know the details or is it, I don't know, Bruce, I got the call and I went.
1: <laughs> well, I, th- I think it was both um obviously uh, marty giving the recommendation to those guys was a lot that got me on the plane to istanbul but i know that uh i'm sure marty sent them some video clips of me performing um and some music of mine and uh, just to get an idea of what kind of my, what kind of voice i have you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that he wanted to hear it so um but you know it wasn't until i got to istanbul that uh, at that point in time, by the time I got there, I hadn't slept in two days. Mm. Um, just uh, packing the night before and charting out songs because you know I'm I'm jumping right in and uh, um, you know on the plane I'm I'm really you know just you know woodshedding to make sure I'm ready mm-hmm. and uh, I get there and I meet Steven in uh, the dressing room at the venue and. Um, you know, we uh, played through the songs. The first song we sang together, and I'm playing acoustic, was "Crying," and because it has one of the higher harmony parts, and he wanted to make sure I could sing it and sing it full voice like a lead singer. That's the way he sang them on the records. Uh-huh. And uh, we got through the end of the first chorus, and he stopped and he just said, "Hey, man, where have you been?" And I'm like, "This is <laughs> this is too surreal. This is like a dream. You know, am I really here? Because sleep deprived and hearing that from um, a legend like yeah. that was yeah. uh, unbelievable." Well, no, we hit it off. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, from there on, it was, uh, you know, by the seat of my pants, you know, feet to the fire first show, no rehearsal. And, um, yeah.
0: You touched on an interesting part of the process, uh, or as our Canadian friends would say, an interesting part of the process, which is, um, you know, all of a sudden you get this call and it's like pack and get ready. And you got to go, well, wait a second you know, what songs are they doing that, because I got to learn all these songs. Right. So, you know, does somebody send you a list and say, here you go, man, you better know all these songs. I mean, how much of their stuff did you already know? How, you know, how easy was it to just look at charts and say, I got this, uh, you know, or was it, no, man, I was scrambling.
1: Well, it, yeah, both. I mean, obviously knowing the the, the hit songs that everybody kind of knows helps. Sure, um, And, um, you know, some songs i can years of doing and i can sort of figure it out on keyboard on piano pretty quick but you know you would have to make sure you know the arrangement and um and and all the details within the song is uh, voicings and uh you know it's not that hard of a song to play just don't mess it up in front of twenty thousand people (laughs) when it's just you and steven right um and, you know, I think um, they sent me a list, uh, a set list they were thinking of playing. By the time I got there, it was not even close. Oh, you know? wow. And, uh, wow. So there was, um, for the first month or so, I would get the set list about an hour before showtime and, and wow. you know, wondering what song I've never played with it before. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, you know, that's you got to appreciate it. that's the way they roll. They, they love to stay in the moment and... Um, Uh, You know, this show and this crowd, we're going to play this song because we haven't played it in a long time. And, uh, uh, you know, that uh, was exciting. You know, I kind of got a thrill from that. And um, they're always uncovering songs. Like we did uh, a couple songs in Phoenix recently at the March Madness Festival uh, that they hadn't played in several years. Mm, Uh, Nine Lives and Young Lust. And um, so – Cool. It keeps it exciting. Yeah,
0: know? yeah. I'm sure. I usually save some of the fun stuff, the happy talk, the storytelling, till the end of the interview. But since we're sure. on the subject, is doing what you do with Aerosmith everything that people would picture it to be? I have lots and lots of guests who come on this show, and they talk about, hey, it's it's work. It's a business. It's not as glamorous as everyone imagines. But I've I've got to believe there are a lot of fun memories being made out there on on the road with those guys. Yes.
1: Well, sure. I mean, it is business. It is work. And you know as they say with uh, you know most of these people who work in a cruise with these bands if you're on if you're on time you're late so mm-hmm. um, you know you've got to be prepared uh, be professional um, just uh you know, for my philosophy is I stay out of the way. I keep my head down. You know, don't be the whack a mole. Pops his head up. You know, just stay uh, low key and 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 I'm have to be even more prepared than those guys is what I think because I want I don't want to be the one that they're waiting on. You know, I have to have and if they ask me a question, I can give the answer. Um, so I uh, I do a lot of prep work before we even step into the rehearsal. Um, But yeah, you know, parts of it, you know, there's some great memories, great venues and audiences, you know, South America, it was like Beatlemania down there with those guys. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you're playing in Sao Paulo and it's 50,000 or so, I guess. And uh, it's that's pretty special. So those moments are always great. You never take it for granted.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I am Bruce Warzniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville is singer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist, and producer Buck Johnson. Visit his official website at www.buckjohnson.com. And then at the bottom of his website, there are links you can click on to find him all over social media Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. He is also on SoundCloud, which is one of the platforms that this show is available on. You can purchase his music on iTunes. There's a link at the bottom. Bottom of buckjohnson.com for that. If you want to see him on tour with Aerosmith, visit their website at aerosmith.com. For this show, if you please go to NHTE.net, the next time you want to purchase from Amazon, there is a tall Amazon banner that you can click on to go over to Amazon to buy whatever it is that you need uh, music from my guests, books, whatever it is that you're buying there. There's also a Patreon for this show. You can make a donation to Now Hear This Entertainment by going to patreon.com nhte or just go to nhte.net and there is a button there to click on to go over to the podcast's Patreon page. There is a Facebook group that has started up recently and is becoming very active. It's listeners to the show and a lot of musicians talking to each other. That group is called NHTE Listeners. There's also a button for that on nhte.net that you can click on to go on there. If you want to send an email, there's a new email address for the show. It's podcast at nhte.net. And don't forget that at nhte.net, there's a newsletter sign up. All it's required is just your email address. And while you're there, click on the icons. If you don't want to listen to the show at that website, you can get it from iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio. Please do subscribe and tell a friend. And, of course, we are on social media, too, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There's icons for all of those at nhte.net. Buck, I mentioned that I interviewed Joe Vitale, the drummer for Joe Walsh. I had also had uh-huh. Wendy Wagner as a guest on this show. She sings behind Joe Walsh, and her and Joe Vitale invited me to a Joe Walsh show. So during the day of the show, I was in the dressing room hanging out with all them, and I got to meet Wadi Wattel, who has played on your stuff. Yes. Uh, how how did you yeah. get connected with him? Because I know there are going to be listeners of this episode who are musicians who are recording artists themselves that are going to say, How do I get some name players on my album? So how how did how did you get to how did you get Wadi to play on your stuff?
1: Well, in that case with Wadi, the producer, um Mark Needham, who lives in Los Angeles, um you know, he has several musicians that he uses on various projects. And um, in this case, you know, he thought Waddy would be fantastic on on the Country Rockin' and reland song, playing some lead guitar. And, um, you know, I wasn't even there, you know, mm-hmm. um, because he was kind of like, well, we need this, you know. And um, and I was already home. And, and uh, so he brought in Waddy and um, overdubbed the, the guitar on it. But, I wish I could have been
0: there. I yeah, but it sounds time. like you're saying that, you know, that, that that's one of the benefits of of having a producer that uh, is pretty well connected because they can bring in somebody like a Wadi Watel.
1: Well, sure. And, um, you know, it's as a solo artist, I really would rather not produce. I'd rather have someone else that uh, can bring something to the table that, you know, something fresh or. Uh, different perspective that uh, um you know uh, in in having those contacts with musicians that i may not know Mm. and uh, just as i am when I'm i'm producing another artist you know um being in nashville tennessee there's so many fantastic musicians that uh play on hit records that um i happen to know and have worked with in the past and uh um so i try to bring something to the table that uh You know, for the artists that uh, they know they're going to get a first class, uh, you know, emotional and uh, professional sounding uh, recording.
0: I like that the use of the, the use of the word emotional that's that's nice to hear because obviously that's an important part and I don't think that's something that the the guests that I've had on my show and mind you this is not a criticism to them because they've been few and far between but mm-hmm. those that have been on that have been producers I don't really know that I've heard someone talk about that that crucial part which is getting the emotional part uh, onto the recording.
1: Yes. Well, I mean music should be that should evoke some emotions and um I think uh, great players can do that and have the proficiency as well. Um, You know, when I when I play with Aerosmith, you know, uh, Brad Whitford is one of those guys. He is he's totally um, uh, encompasses both those things. His proficiency is through the roof. But yet he still has the blues, you know, the emotion, what he's feeling. Mm. Um, And without it, it's really like, well, you know, the recording can be great or the performance can be spot on, but there's nothing right about it either, you know, if you're not feeling it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd rather have someone that's uh, maybe it's not all worked out or not every note's perfect, but it just feels perfect, you know.
0: Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is you want to think long and hard before cutting a gig short. Specifically, if you're somewhere that there are no patrons left in the place, don't automatically decide you're going to end the gig early. I just published a blog on this and we had a very active discussion in the Facebook group about it. If the venue owner, manager, booker isn't there and word gets back that you wrapped up early, you will quickly find yourself on the defensive. Wait for them to insist that they want you to go ahead and shut it down so you know it was their call and not yours. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. So, sticking with the theme of it's a small world after all, w- which they say just an hour to the east of me over in Orlando at Disney, uh, you and I actually had gotten connected a few years ago through our mutual friend Charlie Midnight, who you already mentioned. And, crazy story this past January, when I was in California at the Nam show, I interviewed Natalie Gelman for what would be episode 164 of this show. And we ended up finding out that we both have Charlie as a mutual acquaintance, too. So, so Buck, is the music business really a small world like it sounds? And I, and I I hope you're going to say yes, because I wanted to serve as a reminder to up and comers that you never know who knows somebody, not only that might really help you, but that you don't want to make a bad impression on because word will travel quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, you know, it's it is a small business and, and especially in a town like Nashville, you know, it can be very small um, and that can work for you or work against you and. Um, so I'd say anytime you're working with anybody in a situation, you know, you want to be genuine. You want to be real. Um, you don't want to um, come across as someone who's too pushy, but at the same time, um, be not to be afraid to go up and meet people. But, you know, like I said, there's a fine line. You don't want to be the person they hate to see coming. <laughs> um, and, uh, but... Yeah, I think anytime you step out of the house and you go hear some music, or you're playing, or you're, you know, writing, whatever, you know, you just never know. If you're playing a club and there could be only a handful of tables of people in there, well, you know who could be sitting there. And I know you've, people said that before, but I find that to be true. Um, and
0: um, yeah, but I like this is that this is coming from you, who has traveled the world and who has played. All over the place to say that it is a small world in the music business because I think people hear someone like you coming on and talking about we're about to go play in Tel Aviv and then we're going to go to Germany and then we're, you know in all these international mm-hmm. cities and you're and you're here to say it doesn't matter it's still a small world musically and you know it's it seems so unattainable and here you are and just like I said with Mike Del Judas in episode 150 with his story of how he got to tour with Billy Joel after having a, a Billy Joel cover band for years these things. Mm-hmm. Can happen. They're they're really not that unrealistic, and so I like that you're the one saying, "Yeah, it really is a small world." And so you do got to be careful because you don't want to be a pest. But but sure, you know, you got to get yourself noticed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just think uh, finding situations that uh, that feel that work for you as a, as an artist or a musician, uh, whether it be um, a tribute band, cover band, or original band, it really doesn't matter. You know, uh, to be seen and heard and be great at what you do, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, just to get out and play something that you hate playing just because it's a gig or it pays, um, you know, maybe it's better off if you're a writer, if you just did open mics until you got something going, you know, just so people can hear you. Um, I encourage that. I think it's that and um, and being persistent and sticking with it and um, being true to who you are.
0: We have passed the halfway point of the show, but I'm only now going to ask you to take us back to the beginning. You sing, you play guitar, you play keyboards, you're a songwriter. So what came first? When in your life did you start doing each of those?
1: I come from a musical family in Alabama, and they uh, had a gospel group, the Johnson Brothers Quartet. And uh, so they would have me and my cousins, you know, since the time we were five years old, get up and perform with them. And uh, so I started at a young age, and so it was every weekend, um, you know, gospel singings in churches throughout the South. Um, And then in junior high, I started putting bands together, and, you know, and I was learning songs on the keyboard, you know, Mm. um, that I wanted to play. And and then I picked up guitar later, you know, in bands, like in high school. Um, I think playing keyboards is always um, a good skill set. Even if you're more of a guitarist or singer, uh, because it opens up a lot of doors, we can play other instruments, and um, hmm. and uh, it's. Uh, I highly recommend it if you. And plus, you know, keyboard piano is considered a percussion instrument, so um, you know, rhythm comes first.
0: Well, it sounds to me like you're saying that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that keyboards and guitar both were self-taught. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, piano, I did take some lessons. Um, you know, I, um, had one teacher about the time I was in junior high who, um, was very influential and taught me more in two years than other teachers had taught me. And, um, you know, I think that's important. Finding the right teacher. Um, it's good to take lessons. I never took guitar lessons because I used the guitar as i I'm a rhythm player and as a, as a writing tool. Hmm. Um, I probably should take some lessons. It's never too late to learn, right? Um, but yeah, well, you know, I took piano, and um, yeah, definitely take lessons. You know, it's uh, it doesn't hurt. You know, it's like learning to sight read music. You know, it's not necessary, but why not have that skill set? I think the more skill sets you have, the more opportunities you can be prepared for. You know, you just never know.
0: Yeah, I'll vouch for that. I've been I've been taking guitar lessons myself from a good player here in Tampa. For quite a while, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not a teenager, but uh, as you said, it's never too late to learn. And uh, found myself with a guitar in my hands, and I said, "Well, I'm not going to just put this as a decoration in the corner of my office." So, might as well learn to play the thing, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun.
1: Well, I think learning in in your if you get to the point where you feel like you've got it down and you figured it out, then you're probably done. <laughs> and uh, so, whenever it be a co-write or a performance or you know, um, if I'm writing with another artist that maybe hasn't written as much as I have, I still feel like if it's working, I'm learning something, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's, uh, you know, you want to keep evolving and growing.
0: Mm-hmm. In that list that I rattled off, I left off one other hat that you wear, which I do want to highlight, that being producer. And we talked, you did your album with Charlie Midnight and Mark Needham Uh, who by Mm -hmm. the way has worked with Fleetwood Mac and Chris Isaac among others listeners. So I was going to challenge you, you know, kind of devil's advocate kind of thing to say, you know, why not just self-produce instead of having Charlie and Mark producing too. But, you know, you, you kind of talked about that before that, you know, you, you want other people's input into it. So I, I guess there's kind of a couple questions here still anyways, even though you already talked about it, you know, number one, uh, being when you're producing someone else, how do you kind of let them see the importance of what you described of what I just recounted from earlier in the interview so that it doesn't sound like, Oh, this guy's just trying to make a sales pitch. I can, I can self-produce. I can do this on my own. I know what I want my music to come out sounding like.
1: Well, you know, for me, I, I try to convey to the artist that being an artist myself, I, um, I'm I'm sensitive to that to what they mm, think they mm, you know what they're looking for mm-hmm. and I want to help them get there and and hopefully I can help them avoid some pitfalls that I've made along the way and um and bring something fresh to the table um you know usually it starts with the songwriting and because um, being a writer that's part of the and, and not every case you know um but. Um, you know, I also uh, you know I was hired earlier this year to mix an album with an artist out of the u k um, and um, Emma Stevens. And it's another artist that Charlie had written with. and um and I wrote a song with her and Charlie that's on her album. And she just liked the way I was working in the studio mm-hmm. and mixing other songs that she hired me to mix to her album. Uh, and, you know, that's not something I necessarily pursue. It's just another skill set that out of necessity of self-producing demos, I had to mix them, too, because I couldn't afford to have someone else do it. Mm. And uh, and I just really liked it and enjoy it. Um, so, you know, in that case, I didn't write, well, except for one song, uh, but I didn't produce the album. I just mixed it. But even then, it's still catering to what she envisions herself as an artist and maybe I bring something new to the table that maybe goes even a step further mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's exciting you know I mean maybe we missed the mark but we'll get there you know we'll figure it out yeah. together so, and I don't want to produce an artist and make it sound like another Buck Johnson record. I want it to make it sound like, and to me, that's fun. It it kind of breaks it up for me. I can get out of my own world and, and be in someone yeah, else's. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I bet. That's, that's neat. I, w- so the other question is what was it, was it ever a question for you? Were you always going to let those guys pr- produce that album or, or did you ever for, for a minute, for a day, for a week, think, eh, maybe I will do it myself.
1: Well, um, some of the songs half the record i had recorded already on my own um the guitars and bass and i programmed drums and recorded the vocals mark loved them so much he just said let me uh, replace the drums because these are great performances Mm. um and the rhythm section so he had kenny arnoff and chris cheney um replace the drums and bass Mm -hmm. on about half the record so in, in a sense I was kind of co-producing, but um, Mark, being who he is, uh, working with as you said Chris Isaac and um, Fleetwood Mac, and he's known as a mixer. He's mixed a lot of great records like The Killers' first record and Imagine Dragons, and um, and I just knew he was going to bring something to the table that I didn't have. That uh, and 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 he got it. He he. We talked about it, and and Charlie had worked with Mark with uh, Natalie Natalie Gelman, and so he um, he brought Mark to the table, and uh, and I just like man, this is great. This is what I was looking for. I don't want to, you know, I want someone else to mix this record. I don't want to mix it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a lot better than I am.
0: <laughs> uh, listeners, I'd be remiss if I didn't put in a shameless plug uh, for you to go back and listen to episode one sixty when I interviewed Dave Pensado, who is uh, a well 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 known. Uh, mix engineer that's worked with some of the biggest names in the business. So if you didn't hear my interview with Dave, uh, go back and listen to episode 160. I am Bruce Wozniak and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville is singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer Buck Johnson. Visit his official website at www.buckjohnson.com and then as I mentioned before, at the bottom of his website, there are links you can click on to find him all over social media. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. He is also on SoundCloud which, as I mentioned, is one of the platforms, of course, that this show is available on. You can purchase his music on iTunes. There's a link for that at the bottom of BuckJohnson.com also. And if you want to see him on tour with Aerosmith, visit their website. It's just Aerosmith.com. Uh, Any listener, or excuse me, any guests who have been on this show that have talked about music, books, things of that nature, you want to buy it from Amazon, please go to nhte.net and just click on the tall Amazon banner first to get there. Helps out with a small kickback from Amazon to the show and does not cost you anything extra. If you do want to donate directly to the show, thank you. I'd really appreciate it. It means a lot to me to have your support that way. Patreon.com slash nhte is where you can do that. Or just go to nhte.net and click on the Patreon button there. Right with that Patreon button is another one for the Facebook group where you can talk about this show. You can talk with other musicians. It's called NHTE Listeners if you're searching on Facebook or just click on that button. That's at NHTE.net. If you still like sending emails, it kind of sounds old-fashioned like U.S. Mail. Uh, But podcast at NHTE.net is the new email address that we now have for you to send in your questions, comments, things of that nature. At nhte.net, there's a box where you can enter your email address to get on the newsletter list. And there are also icons there to listen to this show through iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. It's free to listen no matter which platform you're on. Do subscribe and tell a friend. And, of course, social media for the show, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, all those icons are at nhte.net. Buck, since so many aspiring artists all want to work with a producer in Nashville or a producer that has worked with the top names in the business, like I mentioned, Dave Pensado, what advice do you have for them in terms of what gets your interest when it comes to deciding that, hey, this is someone I'd like to work with?
1: Um, Well, in my case, um, I don't pursue producing full-time because I'm also on tour, you know, and uh, being the artist myself. um, But I usually hear about through a connection like Charlie, you know, my uh, and I should say, you know, uh, back early when we were talking about producers, and and uh, besides, you know, Charlie is a great producer, and uh, and having him on board with me because he had produced Joe Cocker and the Doobie Brothers, and and um. And I learned a lot from him as far as capturing the emotion because all those artists that he'd worked with, whether it be James Brown, Joni Mitchell, you know, it was all about the emotion. But um, And so for me, uh, finding an artist usually through a mutual friend or someone I saw live, um, you know, I don't know if there's a trick that you can – you know, send out a CD to a, a producer and get them interested. But in many cases, like in Nashville, there are a lot of great independent producers. And, um, you know, through word of mouth, you can hear about somebody, listen to their work. And, uh, and you know, it's a, having a budget, you know, and whether that means that, you know, you're working a day job and saving your money. So you can go in and work with a professional uh, producer who can, you know, make it worth your while and not try to go into the studio and waste money.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing for you personally, though, as, as you know, there's just quite simply certain genres that you're just not going to look at and, and that makes the decision easy enough for you?
1: Well, yeah, I think there's things that's just not my cup of tea or something that's not my strength, you know. It doesn't mean that... Um, you know, and I've done a few things where you know, I, you know, maybe I'm not the right guy. I could pull it off, and so I would steer somebody in a different <laughs> direction. You know, um, probably not the best guy for uh, for death metal music, but uh, you know, there are guys. There's yeah. some great ones, you know, and uh, but uh, that's not something I necessarily would do.
0: We talked about earlier this European tour that you and Aerosmith are, are about to embark on. When you're not out with those guys, do you go out and try to play shows to promote your album, or is it every day is different in terms of what your music work for that day is because of the many different hats you wear, or what?
1: Well, I just did a, a tour all of March on the West Coast, um, the Buck Johnson Band, and um and we uh, we toured, uh, we did about 14 shows in three and a half weeks. So,
2: wow, we
1: did a lot of shows. Wow, covered a lot of ground. And, um, but yeah, I'll be out most of the summer. August, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to go back on the, hit the West Coast. To a few, all the venues, few, several of the venues wanted us back. Wow. And then, um, in the fall, I'm looking to book some gigs out of Nashville, uh, and, and probably just weekends mm-hmm. because, uh, uh, usually on the weekends, I, I not every weekend, I, unless I've got a good tour planned out, um, um, I'll try to play somewhere. Um, and then during the week, I'm, uh, I have a studio and, uh, I'm working and, um, but yeah, it, it, it's every week's a little different. So it, uh, it's, it makes it interesting and fun for me because, you know, some days I'm just the, uh, the songwriter, and uh, some days I'm producer, and some days I'm the artist, and some days I'm the sideman. Yeah, so,
0: uh, wow, wow. Well, as you mentioned, you were originally from Alabama. Uh, you mentioned also that you lived in California at one point. You live in Nashville now. So, is mm-hmm. this it? Is is Music City going to be home for a while, or are you someone that gets to a point where you say, "Okay, it's time for a change of scenery"? And, and if so, where might you go next?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I think for now it is definitely. I mean, I grew up in Alabama, so I'm I'm closer to home to family. You know, it's just Birmingham's three hours south yeah. of Nashville. And uh, Nashville's a very exciting town right now. You know, it's it's uh, major growth happening. Um, and, um, you know, I miss the West Coast sometimes, friends and the weather. Uh, and who knows? You know, maybe I'll, I'll make it back that way one day. But for the time being, I love living in Nashville. And uh, it is. It's music 24-7 here. So it's <laughs> an exciting time to be here.
0: We will, uh, we will cut, we'll splice out that that part of the interview and send that off to the Nashville Tourism Bureau. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if they need any help. I yeah, think this is yeah. like a hundred, 100 people every day moving here.
0: Wow, wow. Uh, Buck, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one entitled Country Rockin' and Reelin'. Before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, if you would, please.
1: Well, this song is another... Charlie Midnight, Buck Johnson collaboration. And uh, and it's just a song about referencing who I am, where I'm from. And, uh, you know, it mentions everything from singing harmonies, like uh, when I was a kid, gospel music with the, you know, like the Carter family or the Jordanaires. It also mentions all the English bands that I was influenced by. They were influenced by the very thing I was singing growing up, whether it be, you know, Led Zeppelin or, you know, um, all those great blues rock bands and um so it talks about that and you know um i'm more of a i'm not so much as a country artist as i'm just southern and uh so there's definitely some rock and roll there's some gospel there's some blues and then there's some uh, some country too <laughs> so um uh, it, it it mentions all that, and I think we, uh, we even mentioned a little Doobie Brothers in there too. Uh, a little, little uh, quote from them.
0: Yeah, a, a little nod to to Charlie's uh, portfolio, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why it's called country Rockin' and reeling. Uh, Buck, great to have you. Thank you so much for making time to do this today. Really appreciate it. All good stuff, my friend.
1: Hey. Thank you, Bruce. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist, and producer Buck Johnson. Do visit his official website. It's www.buckjohnson.com and then engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Don't forget that you can Purchase his music from iTunes. And especially if you live on the west coast of the United States and in the Nashville area, keep up with Buck online so you can see where and when you can see the Buck Johnson Band perform live. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on soundcloud remember that you can like and share they call it repost episodes there and you can also follow on soundcloud engage with the show too. go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the facebook group you can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net get with us on the various social media platforms that you'll find links to at nhte.net those being Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. Check out the t-shirts and hats, too, at nhte.net. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Buck Johnson. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Country Rockin' and Reelin'.
2: Kept some bad company and sang some Delta blues Alabama born Southern stock Got a little twang when I start to rock And I'll never be cool as the man in black You heard that train a coming rolling down the track I'd ride the rails, sleep on a bed of coals Just to make it down to muscle shows Get